The new liberal arts is inspiring students at Hiram College. I'm Abby, and I'm studying science, theater, and the art of communicating ideas. The new liberal arts is helping students find their unique voice and become their best self. I'm learning to think out loud, challenge myself, and everyone else. It's building a 21st century skill set and mindset that prepares them for careers of the future. I am ready to affect people's lives. I am Abby, and I am Hiram. Learn more about the new liberal arts at Hiram.edu. Welcome to Fireside Chats, 60 minutes of stimulating conversation with some of Northeast Ohio's most interesting entrepreneurs. Get the inside story from folks who have taken the leap and who are willing to share what they've learned, the good, the bad, and the inspiring. Fireside Chats, real entrepreneurs, real stories, real learning. Fireside Chats are brought to you by the Center for Integrated Entrepreneurship at Hiram College. Be sure to look for our Fireside Chat podcasts where you can listen on your own time and our dime. For more information, visit hiram.edu backslash entrepreneurship. Now, let's get chatting. Welcome everyone, both here at Hiram College and those watching us through live streaming and the wonders of technology. Uh, so today's chat is the sweet taste of success with our very own Ethan Holmes. Ethan was a student here at, at Hiram um, and that really really started your thinking and working on your applesauce business when you were 15 at Shaker Heights High School, but came here to Hiram um, with interest in the entrepreneurship minor program and kept working to develop your your product, so we're really happy to have you here to share your story with us tonight. Also, for anyone uh, viewing in, if you have any questions for Ethan through the course of the evening, you can email those to entrepreneurship at hiram.edu. Um, we'll get those questions and then we can relay them to Ethan um, to answer them. So, again, everyone, let's give Ethan a warm welcome back. Good evening, everyone. Thank you again for having me here. Uh, my name is Ethan Holmes. I'm 25 years old, and I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Holmes Mouthwater and Applesauce. And as you see, if you guys grab the flyer, it's an all-natural applesauce product. We're available in tons of locations around Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, and Michigan, and growing. And when I was a college student here at Hiram College, I actually launched my business. So as you spoke on, and I'll speak on in my presentation, I developed the recipe and the product when I was, you know, in high school. But when I got here, I had so much knowledge and resources that you guys have as well today that I was able to use that to launch and get into my first supermarket. Now, before I begin, I actually like to give you a quick overview. Sorry, of uh, our company and what Holmes Mouthwater and Applesauce is all about. We were actually honored to be able just to show you exactly what we're all about. I chose applesauce because I looked at the market and I saw that 
applesauce kind of was a product that was known as a commodity. And there's so much, you know, opportunity in the market to make it a specialty. You know, it's random, it's stands out, and wanted to do something that was different than the rest.
degrees. It's just about you know having value, um, being persistent, having a good pitch, which I'll speak on a little bit today. Now these are some of our items, and we have three flavors. Uh, we have original apple pie cinnamon and strawberry peach, and today we'll actually be able to try our apple pie cinnamon. And then we have uh, the three flavors available in a 16-ounce jar. Now there's a huge trend in the market, as you probably all know, organic, non-GMO, vegan-friendly. So our product has all those characteristics. Everything is grown um, right in our backyards. We use no artificial ingredients, um, and that makes our product very desirable to today's consumers. Now another package type that we actually have are the four packs of four-ounce cups. Um, and this is actually a new addition to our product line, just uh, last year, and they're a convenient option. We currently sell them at Kroger. Um, we'll be selling them at Marks as well as Heinen's this year, so it's something we're very excited about. But it was such a huge move for us because we had jars for years. And now that we have these portable options, we can sell them to hospitals, schools. Um, I have a meeting at Ohio University on Monday to sell them to their campus. So it's just really about getting the word out um, and moving into more revenue streams with our product. Now I'd like to ask you all a question, feel free to raise your hand and there really is no wrong answer. What is entrepreneurship to you? What would you define entrepreneurship as? And I'd love to see as many hands as I can, but okay, I'll start with you, Steve. Uh, building your own company from the start from the ground up. Okay, building your own company from the ground up. It's a great answer. Anybody else have suggestions? Love to hear from the entrepreneur miners. Yeah. Trying to innovate a product that's already out. Okay, okay. starting to innovate a product that's already out. So that's a, that's a great answer. Anybody else have any other? Okay. Well, just to give you guys a formal definition, entrepreneurship is defined as the willingness to take risks, develop, organize, and manage a business venture in a competitive global marketplace that is constantly evolving. And entrepreneurs are pioneers, they're innovators, they're leaders, and inventors. And I know you had spoke on, you know, basically starting a business. Well, this chart actually gives you the difference between someone who actually starts a business, a business person, and an entrepreneur. So a business person, they might go, let's see if we have a clicker, I mean a laser, probably not, but a business person, they'll go to Giant Eagle and they'll actually get a watermelon, let's say for a dollar. And they'll say, all right, you know what, I'm gonna resell this to my neighbor or my best friend, I'm gonna sell it to them for a dollar fifty, so they make 50 cents in profit. But an entrepreneur, they'll take that same watermelon that they got for a dollar at Giant Eagle and they'll innovate it. They'll create something new, just like you mentioned. Now they'll turn it into a shake or a sauce and sell it for $5 and make $4 in profit. So the key to all of that is that anyone can set a price on an item, but it takes an entrepreneur to innovate and create something new and better for the marketplace. So that's really what I believe is the core of entrepreneurship. And entrepreneurship is everywhere. So even though you don't want to start your own business, maybe you want to be a lawyer, maybe you want to work in healthcare, it's all about having that mindset, um, you know, thinking about entrepreneurial things. Um, positioning yourself in that way. Now for me, I chose entrepreneurship because you know I love just breaking leaves, making money, lemonade stands, just the early stages of usually, you know, when you move into entrepreneurship, that's the beginning. And so I decided at that point, you know, I love this, you know, I love this independence. I want to create my own business, my own legitimate company. And so I wound up looking around and I saw the baseball team in my school at Shaker. They were selling these, you know, Mally's chocolate bars. They were making a ton of money in a week, hundreds of dollars. And I was like, wow, you know, they're doing this fundraising. Why not make my own chocolate bar and, you know, figure out how to make it? So I went on YouTube, found out how to package them, how to, you know, get candy bar molds. And then I named them Nom Nom Bars, kind of like a Cookie Monster, you know, Nom Nom Nom. A little bit of chuckling. But, and then I said, all right, I'm going to go to school. This is Shaker. As you know, Shaker is a big school, and they'll, they'll crown you pretty quickly. And I went there and I had this chocolate bar and I said five dollars, went in the cafeteria, um, you know, I'm selling them and I thought in two weeks I'd be rich, you know, I thought this was going to be successful. And I call this actually my first failure because I realized pretty quickly people were like, I'm not giving my last five dollars, I'd rather buy Kit Kats and Reese's, hey man, you know, get back to the drawing board, they're not that great. So I was like, all right, well, harsh crowd, maybe business isn't for me, maybe I'll focus on sports, you know, do something else, but I decided why not just, you know, take what I've learned from this failure and create something new. So I looked at the market, did some research, and I remember opening my refrigerator one day, seeing a jar of Mott's applesauce, and I thought real quick, you know, this is a product that I've had for years, um, it's always the same, no matter what the company is, smooth consistency, apple, sugar, water. 
how can I take this product and make it, you know, specifically for kids like me, exactly all the things that we want um, in a product. And so that's kind of how the birth of uh, Holmes applesauce came to be, in choosing applesauce. Now, I didn't even know how to make applesauce, and so that was really the biggest issue. So I turned to YouTube, just like we all would do in today's age, saw, you know, them peeling, cutting their fruit, boiling it, said, all right, it's pretty simple, it's easy, I can do this. And then I actually went to my grandfather, and I said, hey, can you give me some instructions? So he's retired, post office worker, took me in the kitchen, um, showed me how to peel the fruit, boil it, and by the end of it, I had this finished jar. And I remember trying it, and I was like, eh, I mean, it's pretty good, but I wouldn't spend all my money on this. This isn't like commercial ready. How can I make this better? But then I spent a year in the kitchen, anytime I could get my hands on apples, fruit, anytime, you know, 20 bucks here, just to go and, you know, create this recipe. We call this research and development. And this is a very important part for any of you guys that want to start your own business, whether it's, you know, t-shirt or food. It's important to take feedback from people, you know, take that criticism and improve um, and continuously do that. And so I would actually write down my recipes, put the samples in a little Tupperware, let people try it and just keep innovating it from there. Eventually we came up with our recipe that we have today, golden delicious apples, pears, and apple cider. So we still use that same recipe to this day. Now I had this, uh, finally I had this finished jar of applesauce, I had this product, I had the recipe, but I didn't have a brand, you know, an identity for my company or my organization, which can be your logo, it can be your slogan, it really, you know, it's how people feel when they see your brand and they see your product. Now, I knew I wanted to name it, my last name, Holmes, and then I knew Mouth Warden was exactly how I wanted people to feel when they saw the product and when they tried it. And so I needed a visual representation, as I mentioned, a logo or a graphic design in order to, you know, really make it Mouth Warden. And so I went on Google, um, searched graphic designers around the country, reached out to about five or six companies, after weeks of hearing no replies, I got really discouraged. I was like, okay, well, I'm 16. I don't even have any money. I just asked them for a quote, and I didn't even get anything back. They're not taking me serious. And I remember going, um, coming home from school one day, the phone rang, and a guy named Ron, um, Ron Hansen actually picked up, and he said, hey, I'm from Washington. I got your email. love the fact that you're young, and it really proves that you're investing into yourself. And I see that. Like, so what I'll do is I'm going to make all your branding and your logo for free. Are you, are you cool with that? And I said, yeah, that'd be amazing. And so this sketch that you see right here was actually done. I was 16 years old, never met this guy, Ron, and he created the sketch for me. And we actually named the, the birds. We have a toucan in the top, um, on the bottom, and the toucan, his name is Matt, the cardinal, her name is Tasha. And we actually named them through a social media contest. Matt and Tasha together is like Matt and Tasha apples. All right, a little bit last, but. Ron, um, like I said, he was a big part of my story because he created the branding. Since then, we've grown on him. You know, we've given them hats. We have a new bird that we've added to the family named Petrie with our new flavor, strawberry peach. And I was actually able to go to him years later when I was about 19, 20 years old and spend about $5,000 with him. So that was really just a crazy story of how he helped me out. I didn't speak to him for years, and I came back and said, hey, I made a little money. Let me, you know, work with you further. And the last thing um, I'll say on this slide, it's important while you're young, and I know a lot of you guys are thinking, okay, I'll probably start a business later, this guy got lucky, or whatever. You know, it's important when you show people that you're invested in what you want to do, and you're invested in your dream, and they'll want to invest into you. And that's with your teachers, your professors, or anything in life, you know, so that's, that's a great place. Now, achieving growth. Eventually, I got out of Shaker Heights High School in 2012, and I knew that I wanted to pursue my business. However, I also knew that I lacked the knowledge and experience to really be a business person and be successful. So I wound up actually doing some research with my mom, found a couple schools, and one of them really stood out to me, a small liberal arts school in Ohio called Hiram College. And so I was like, all right, well, let me get a tour of this school, did an interview, and I loved it, specifically the Center for Integrated Entrepreneurship. Like, I really loved what they were doing. I loved the fact it was a hub for people just like me to work on my business, just like you guys. And from there, you know, for the, really just the first two years, I was just a student. You know, I worked for ABI and catering, making sandwiches and dining hall. You know, I played lacrosse. I did a bunch of little things cross country. Um, and that was just my life. I had a girlfriend. And, but I had in the back of my mind the applesauce. That was what I always wanted to do while I was doing my classes, while I was doing internships. 
And so eventually I said, hey, let me you know, get up off my behind and actually make this thing into a reality. And thanks to the support of people like Director Mopleton, I was actually able to get this going through student business competitions. And there's uh, organizations like Jumpstart, a really popular organization in Northeast Ohio. They host a student competition. You know, Professor Kakurza, Director Mopleton, they pushed me to be part of those competitions and they allowed me to be in that platform, gave me confidence, allowed me to also win some money that allowed me to actually find a kitchen in downtown Cleveland. And this kitchen is called the Cleveland Culinary Launch Kitchen, still around to this day for any of you guys that are interested in culinary arts. And you can rent it for about $10 an hour and make any product you want. And they actually taught me about insurance, the FDA, the Ohio Department of Agriculture, registering your product and making it safe, things I knew nothing about. And so at that point, I had a final product. I had you know, the applesauce recipe, I had the branding, and I had the facility and the, you know, the legalities to back it up. And so my first store that I actually ever sold my product in was actually right here on Hiram, thanks again to Director Mopleton. They had a student-ran uh, store, as well as Aguera's, a small store in Cleveland Heights. And so I did that for several months. You know, I'm a student here working in the dining hall. On the weekends, I'm going to uh, Cleveland making a couple hundred jars, bringing them back here, selling them to friends, a few stores, and this went on for six months or so. Eventually, I was like, all right, I want the big shark. I want the big fish. I want the money. I want Heinen's. You know, everybody knows Heinen's in the Northeast Ohio area. How can I get them? So I went on Google, you know, my best friend, everybody's best friend in this day and age, found their uh, phone number, uh, found the guy who actually handled applesauce. His name was Mark Roberts, and I called him. You know, and sometimes that's the most simple thing you can do as a business person in sales, just call him. And he, I wanted to get in voicemail, so he didn't pick up. And I was a little discouraged, so I said, all right, I'm going to keep calling him. So before class, I'd call him. When I got out of class, I'd call him. Set a timer, call him. And this went on for several weeks. Eventually, I got him at a random hour. He's like, hey, um, you know, I'm busy. I'm not really looking at applesauce. Drop off some samples in Warrenville Heights. When I get a chance, I'll check it out maybe. Um, good luck. And I said, all right, well, maybe this will work out. I'm going to try my best. Dropped off the samples, you know, went back to school. Same thing went on, you know, making sandwiches in the dining hall, going to uh, Cleveland on the weekend, making a few hundred jars, a few small stores. And I remember one day I was actually walking down our hill, the famous hill, I'm from Wickham, which was my dorm, and my phone rang in my pocket. And I'll never forget this moment. I was like, oh, who's this? And I saw the number, it was 216-475-2300. And I was like, oh, I know this number. This is Heinen's, I've memorized it. I call him so often. Picked it up and he's like, hey, you know, this is Mark. Got around and trying your applesauce. It had dust on it, just you know, because it was under my desk for so long. But I, you know, got around to trying it, and I loved it. It was delicious. My kids loved it. Um, I want to put you in 27 stores, including five in Chicago, and you give me 2,500 jars in the next two weeks. And I was like, uh, yeah, sure, no problem. <laughs> Hung up the phone, and I was like, um, I don't even know how I'm going to do this. Like, I have no money. I'm a college student. I have a kitchen that I barely use, except one day a week. How am I going to make this much product? And so I wanted to get my friends and family in there, you know, college students, all my buddies, gave them beer money, and we made the applesauce in two weeks. So you, you can start with what you have, just calling people, showing them that you have the value, and if they believe in you, it can all work out. And so I also want to speak to you guys and give you uh, my five-step uh, process into how to make a sale. And this is very important. You can feel free to write it down. I'll also share it with Director Mokleton so you can um, look at it later. But number one, which I spoke on, um, was preparing the final product pricing and presentation. So I told you from 15, 16, I got the branding recipe. As I got older, went to college, I got the final, you know, commercial kitchen down. Then I had to get the pricing. And so figuring out, you know, what ingredients am I using? Um, how much labor does it take? And how much does it cost to make one unit, to make a batch, and so forth? And then creating that wholesale cost. So I had to add a margin on margin is how much you're taking from that deal. Um, and so 30% I added on my product and then I put a wholesale cost of $3. Then I'd sell that wholesale cost or wholesale price of $3 to retailers like Heinen's or Marks. They would add on a dollar or $2. So when the customer gets it, the retail price is about four or five bucks. Does that make sense? So that's a little bit of how the process works with wholesale and retail. Number two, research the store or market um, or your customer. You might be selling at a farmer's market. So if you're selling to moms, you know, what are moms looking for? 
Are they, do they like a certain color? Do they like a certain service when you're you know, selling to them? So think about those things. And if we're talking about grocery stores, I always do a lot of research on the back end. You know, what does their social media look like? Um, what are they looking for in products? So those are important things that you can use for yourself. Number three, contact, pitch, and present your products to that customer. Um, now I'm sure you guys are familiar with an elevator pitch. I speak to a lot of middle schoolers, so I usually give them this example. When you're up and down in an elevator, it's 30 seconds typically. So that's really you know a good time length for your pitch, your overview of what your business is, um, what you're doing. Um, my name is Ethan. I make applesauce. This is why it's great. This is where I sell it. This is the price, and this is what I'm looking to accomplish by working with you. Um, number four, follow up with the store, the customer. You want to stay persistent as well as respectful. So one quick little story I'll tell you about how I got into Mark Supermarkets. I actually did the same thing I did with Heinen's, found their number online, found the guy who handled products, called him so many times. I remember one day I uh, called him and he's like, Ethan, you really are annoying. Like, I'm not even going to lie. You're kind of like a toothache. Like, you won't go away. Um, but you're bothering me so much that I'm kind of respecting it. I kind of like you a little bit. So how about this? I'm going to bring this to Mark Glassman himself. I'm going to you know, pitch it to him. If he says yes, I'll put you in 60 stores. Within a week, I was in 60 stores. It wasn't because I had any money. It wasn't because I knew the guy. He actually kind of hated me. But the point was, he respected the fact that I, 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 I cared about this. I'm going to follow up with you. I'm going to bug you until you pick it up or you're going to say no. That's, that's how I handle it. And number five, or four and five, follow up with the store, which I spoke on at five, close the sale. Um, and these two last points, four and five, are also important because Let's say someone says, hey, I love your t-shirts. I want to buy three. Um, hit me up in a week. When a week comes around, are they going to be contacting you? Most likely not. They're going to use their disposable income on something else. There's something else that's in their face. So it's important to close that sale and get that person to you know, finalize it. Now we're going to kind of fast forward into today. Uh, into today. Um, in August 2017, my company received a $130,000 investment from the Cleveland Foundation for 13% ownership. So similar to Shark Tank, um, we did an equity investment, um, which basically evaluates our company at a million dollars. We're not a million dollar company yet, but you know that's where we uh, see ourselves, forecast ourselves, um, which is great. Um, and so with that $130,000, we were able to purchase equipment, like that automatic cup machine. We were able to create jobs. I was able to hire a lot of my buddies from Hiram, Shaker that I went to school with, um, lease a facility in Bedford, um, and just grow our business. And so we produce up to 400 gallons of applesauce a month right now in Bedford. We have a staff of four employees that handle the production and warehousing of our items. And so we have a lot of hopes for the future. Um, we're actually moving into New York, um, California later this year, as well as other areas, and just really growing the product. But I also don't want you guys to think it's easy, because it's not, especially when you have people's payroll, especially when there's cash flow. Um, this money is huge for me because I actually never was able to pay myself until 2017, if you can think about that. And I've been doing this for now, going on 10 years. So being able to pay myself a salary um, and actually be able to live off my company is huge. So if you guys are interested in starting a business, just know it's not always the most security. However, it is something you'll love to do. So it's not, it doesn't feel like work when, it's, when you love it. Now, my last five principles that I have for you, and then we'll get into you know, Q&A as well as some applesauce samples. Um, you can feel free to write these down or just keep them in your head. Um, number one, you know, getting started as a college entrepreneur is start with a product or a service. You know, maybe you're doing a tutoring business. Maybe you're doing food item, clothing. But just start. And remember, innovate and create. And the reason why I say just start is because I know how a lot of you guys are probably even thinking, of course I'll start a business one day. But I'll do it when I graduate. Maybe when I get a couple years of experience. But when you're young, you know, it's huge, and I mean that it is huge. When you're young, it is huge because there's an advantage being young. People want to help you out. There's resources, there's competitions, grant opportunities, and you're young, you have energy, and so take advantage of that while you're, while you're young, while you're students. Number two, understand your market or your customer. Um, so like we spoke about, doing your research. Number three, create a brand. What makes your business so special? Know, what makes you stand out? Is it the community? You see that we work with high school students. People love to support that, that we donate money. People love you know, that we work with entrepreneurship in classrooms. Number four, pitch and present to others as much as you can, spreading the word. People will support a young entrepreneur, just like I mentioned. And then you guys saw the Now This News video from my 
um, about my company, I actually had to email them just randomly, hey, I'm from uh, Cleveland, I make applesauce, would you be open to doing a story? And they wind up saying yes. So people don't contact me for press, and I've been on the news a lot. I contact them, trust me. I've been in Black Enterprise, several magazines, not to brag, it's just I call these people and I say, hey, this is what I do, would you give me a shot? Number five, overcome challenges and look for new opportunities to grow in the future. Um, and this is very important. You're going to hit walls. You're going to run out of money. Um, you might have an overdraft bank account. Trust me, it's happened a couple times on my end. Um, but don't stop. Figure out a way to get around it. Maybe cut down a little bit. Maybe start smaller. And then always look for new things in the future. Just because you got everything going doesn't mean you can't do something better or achieve more growth. Now, there was photos on here. For some reason, they got cut out. I'm not sure what happened, but um, I wanted to actually give a special thank you to Hiram College and the Center for Integrated Entrepreneurship just for giving me a platform, the resources, and the knowledge um, to further my dream and launch my business. Because just like I mentioned, I sat right where you guys are, had this dream, kept it in the back of my mind, and now I'm you know, where I am today, just like a lot of you guys will be. So I'd like to give a gift to you. Uh, Director uh, Mogleton, as well as Professor Kukurz and everyone, get one of our uh, limited edition hats. Oh, you guys great. can actually get them limited edition, 20 bucks, but they're nice. But these are for you and some applesauce as well. Thank so. you. And now, uh, thank you all for you know your time, allowing me to present to you. Um, we're actually going to pass out some of our apple pie cinnamon. I hope you enjoy it. If you have any questions, you know, for me or regarding my story, or, or as well as like you know starting your own business, I'd love to answer them. Thank you. Pass this around and you guys want to check out the packaging a little bit. Feel free to see what we've done. So, questions for Ethan? Any questions? Uh, I noticed on your website that you were going to try to expand internationally with your product. Right. If, you, um, are, if you do do that, will you have to you know, maybe change some of the flavors since you know, maybe other countries might not like the certain flavors that you know, work here in the US? Uh, so we have looked at international markets, and one of the first international markets was Canada, obviously, just because it's very closely to the U.S. market. One of the biggest things that we had to face was a label change. So we actually had to have our um, label in French-Canadian, and so that's one of the things that you don't think about. But if you're going to Spain or any of these countries, you actually have to buy a sticker, I mean 20 cents, and put it on all your packaging just because you're in that country. And you mentioned a great point. Every culture is different. So I've even heard things of, um, you know, maybe changing the flavor to fit a certain culture, a certain area. So it's something we're looking at, but right now we're more focused on the U.S. market. Um, but later we'd love to do that. You said uh, you projected to make uh, $200,000 in 2018. Did that go well? Or? Uh, we actually made a little less than $200,000, and that's just business. We made about $150,000 roughly, and so. Yeah, I was we're great because we made fifty dollars in two thousand seventeen. So can you say that that's like two hundred percent more or something like exactly. that? Exactly. So yeah. it's, it's so good, awesome. yeah. good growth. However, we're still not profitable, and so we plan to be profitable this year. And that's just part of the business, especially with food. We have low margins, so that uh, cup you guys are passing around it actually cost me about a dollar fifty to make, and I sell it for about three dollars. So we're making about a dollar fifty um, per item. And in some stores, they want it for two fifty. Whole Foods, they'll sell that as high as six bucks unless I sell it to them for two fifty. So at that point, I'm making less than a dollar fifty. So it's just that's the fluctuation of the margin. So it's a volume game, meaning you want like five thousand stores. You got five thousand stores, you might be making a dollar fifty off each item, but it adds up. Does that make sense? So we have a question from someone viewing us from afar. And wanted to know, was it hard to obtain any needed financing for your business? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, it was hard to you know, obtain financing, uh, specifically in the beginning. So what I did was I utilized, like I said, student competitions. Um, I did a lot of competitions in my business, just doing the elevator pitch. was able to you know, utilize that fund and put it into my business. I also took advantage of crowdfunding, which is huge in today's age. Um, thanks again, Director Mopleton and the campus. I was actually able to put it out to the hiring community, get support from people, and utilize that money and put it back into my business as well. And then lastly, I also did debt financing, so loans. Um, I got a $10,000 loan when I was about 20 years old, paying it back. Um, now we're actually getting a $50,000 loan this year. So there's a lot of debt, there's a lot of risk, 
but we're using that money to create more jobs and to get another healer, like you saw in the video. So it's just part of the business. You you know take that risk on, and hopefully you see growth. Are you uh, have you looked into any like other ingredients that might make your product cheaper to sell, or is it more about just staying true to the kind of all natural? Uh, it's more about the to cut down the cost. I'd probably say we really need to increase our volume, and then we can cut down our packaging as well right. as um, you know get to that point where our apple prices will you know hit that point where they'll go lower, um, as well as uh, yeah, pretty much increasing our margin as time goes on. That's a great question. How much does like the weather like affect your production or like the price of apples at all? Um, seasonal thing, uh, seasonality definitely affects the pricing. Um, however, we're able to kind of go to different orchards around Ohio, and we know actually keep a certain amount in the cooler for us throughout the year, and so that we actually also have contract pricing, and but it does slightly increase. Mm -hmm. um, I know the weather's been pretty bad, or pretty tough, you know, right. like all the rain, and just like, I don't know if like bugs and this and that can affect it, I just didn't know if it was. So yeah, yeah they're actually, they typically grow from like, uh, they usually have, they'll basically just grow a ton throughout the year, and then they'll put them in a cooler, I mean, a simple, simple way of explaining it. And then we pretty much have a certain amount that we use out of that supply. What's the num what's the like that number for like the buying apples in volume? Like I don't know how much, if you're buying a hundred thousand apples, you need two hundred thousand. That's a great question. A lot of times suppliers won't they don't want to tell you that information. They're just kind of be like, right. in my yes. orchard says that hey, you know, once you get there, I'll let you know, and then I'll I'll pass that saving on to you. So a lot of it is negotiation. Um, a lot of it is figuring out how can we cut down costs here. But the highest cost we probably have, I'd say, is the packaging. So once you buy X amount of jars, or you buy a pallet's worth, or a truckload typically, then you, you'll get that cost saving. And so we actually get all of our packaging from package manufacturers, um, I mean package distributors, which means that they're getting it from the manufacturer and adding a margin or their margin on that. Does that make sense? So if we were to get it from the manufacturer, it would be a lot less. But the manufacturer has minimum order quantities, meaning you have to get a full truck in order for them to do that. And that's a lot of money up front. We typically buy as we need, so that's typically how we do it. So do you, do you have contracts with these orchards? Or not really? Yeah, we have a uh, contract with the orchard, but we only take what we need. However, they set a certain amount of supply to decide for us for the year. That makes okay. sense. Yeah. Um, they know that we've worked with them in the past. This is how much he uses. From a cash flow standpoint, I can't, you know, buy all this apples up front for the beginning of the year and hope to use them. It's kind of as needed per order on a weekly basis. Yeah. Uh, in your young entrepreneurship uh, program that you have developed, mm -hmm. have you ever asked anyone from like that you met, you know, that could maybe work for you that could, you know, help your business grow? Like, you know, hiring someone from that? Uh, from some of the high school <coughs> students? Or? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So we actually um, do hire the high school students, and if any, any of you guys are looking for, you know, just some weekend employment, we're looking for people in this area, it's actually Portage, um, and we actually pay them about 10 to $11 an hour, and they'll go into these stores and sample our applesauce for us. So um, once they've done the program, if, if they stand out to us, if they've shown that they're mature, I'll, I'll actually give them that invitation. Any of you guys are interested, go on my website, get my information to Kay. Any of you guys want an internship, uh, some credit, anything, I'm here for you. So I can point you to directions of stores or anything like that. How do you guys like it? Good. So that's our apple pie cinnamon. Uh, you see you get chunks of pears and then apples. Um, we cook it in apple cider from Patterson Food Farm. Uh, it's fresh. Ethan, you uh, mentioned, oh, I know that you sell in the stores, you sell through a number, 200 and some stores, but you also sell online. Right. So what percentage of your sales is online, and where's the furthest anyone has ever ordered from you? Uh, that's a, uh, so a percentage of our sales is actually very small online e-commerce, just because it's more of a grocery item. Um, we do ship quite a bit a few times a month, but it's probably less than 10% of our business, um, and the furthest we've shipped is probably Canada, actually, um, in the U.S. Um, so we shipped there a couple times. Actually, Antarctica, actually. That was really random. They bought a lot of applesauce, so. <laughs> yeah, just a couple Alaska. times, actually. Different times. Yeah, I've never, never, not Antarctica, Alaska. Alaska. <laughs> yeah, so. I'll bet that was great. But yeah, Alaska, I'm not thinking right now. 
And here, uh, I'm thinking the penguins. <laughs> I literally, I'm thinking of that as well, so I apologize. So, yep, 10% of our business is using e-commerce. A lot of it is selling to distributors. Just to give you guys a quick breakdown of what a distributor does, distributor actually, um, they're the ones that the stores order from. So they'll typically, a retailer have like a online login and they can actually say, okay, well, I want Cheerios and I want this on my shipment. And they have the minimum orders that they'll deliver. And those distributors will actually go to that store weekly um, delivering those items. And so we'll actually sell to the distributor saying, hey, we put us on the list. Now, in order to get on the list, you need to have a store that they service. Does that make sense? So we're usually going to distributors saying, hey, we have the best applesauce, give it a try. We'll send them samples, then we'll look at all the retailers, all the companies they service, and they might service 5,000 stores in the Midwest. And then we'll reach out to those 5,000 stores and say, hey, we have the best applesauce, we're working with this distributor, and then we'll connect the dots. And so that's done that, that's how we were able to get into Kroger as well as other stores, and that's how we're moving into California and New York, just because we reach out to distributors in California and New York and reach out to their customers. Continue uh, your grandfather's uh, recipe. I'm sorry? Why did you continue your grandfather's recipe? Uh, so I actually um, took his recipe and just innovated it. Um, like I said, when I first had his applesauce, he actually just used you know, a mix of apples, sugar, um, some ground cinnamon. And I said, OK, well, this is cool, but it's simple. How can I you know, make it a little bit special, something that hasn't been done before? So that's kind of the spin on it. What's your, like? most ideal, most perfect scenario for this business to lay out, like long-term goal of this business? Uh, long-term goal is to grow it for the next five years, at least some 30, and then hopefully, you know, have an extra strategy of selling it um, and still remaining part of the company. You know, I, I love the company, I love what it's about, but it is a lot of work. Yeah, I'm passionate about it, um, but it is a lot of work, I'll, I'll admit that. So, you're stress I'm stressed every day, I'll be honest. Sometimes you have machines break down, things like that. What would be next after you sell the company? Um, I like to continue doing what I'm doing here, speaking, helping out, you know, become an investor, give money to you guys to start your businesses, give, uh, you know, advice, stuff like that. But just kind of continuing in education, entrepreneurship. So you you're wearing a great hat. Love that yeah, hat. Appreciate it. But as an entrepreneur, sure. you wear lots of hats. So. And I know you do a lot on social media as well. So can you give us an idea approximately, like how you spend your time? How much of your time is doing social media? How much is fixing machines? How much is selling? How much is so, training or, or, or supervising employees? Definitely, so most of my time right now is actually uh, basically in a problem solver. You know, and that could be, hey, you know, I can't come to work today, or hey, there's an issue with the kettle, or hey, there's an issue with the schedule, because we're leasing the facility, so there is uh, another tenant that uses uses it, so there's always those kind of conflicts. Um, there are machines that go down. Um, one of our uh, air compressor machines went down while we were finishing an order, and it was due that week, so I had to actually spend $500 of rent, uh, one from the handy uh, rent store, so different things like that, really just problem solving, and then sales. Um, is really my big, you know, the hat that I'm wearing this month um, because it's January. So I spend about probably 70% of my time on the phone. I'm sending samples. I go into FedEx every week. I'm doing it myself. Um, I really have a small team. Really, my four employees are in the kitchen in the facility. I'm doing right now the sales and all the, the meetings. I'm going to Athens on Monday, driving there myself to go talk to their dining department. And so that's, that's a bulk of what my job is. Much. But I do it on my own time, and that's part of the beauty of being an entrepreneur. Um, you work for yourself. However, your own time isn't, you know, isn't your own time, actually. Probably someone else's. But. And then we talked about social media. Um, I've now kind of moved away from handling my social media. Um, Janae in the back, actually my head of marketing, she handles it. She does uh, create it or help develop our t-shirts. Um, we actually have a family of birds now that she actually helped develop with an artist from Cleveland Institute of Art. Um, our social media, we have a strategy that we now follow, um, and so we try to post consistently and things like that. Um, so it's really just about delegating and spreading out and not trying to take on too much, because I've learned when I took on too much, things started to fall through the cracks, um, and that's, that's part of life. So you talked also about being creative and innovative. Can you um, share with us um, some of the ways that uh, you've been finding other revenue streams and also 
Sorry, sorry about that. I had to pull out the keyboard because I wanted to show you guys a video of this to answer your question. Okay, and then also your marketing, you know, so how you are, we talked a little bit about that uh, before and uh, before the chat started. Um, so your first question for the keyboard drop, if you could. Yeah, it was uh, some of your innovative ways to find other revenue streams Definitely. to help your business. Um, so I do a lot of speakings, and so I realized that by you know telling people my story that I could actually make money from that, and so that's kind of became a revenue source for me. Um, really, just giving my time. My basically, I've kind of positioned myself as an expert in entrepreneurship. I'm the guy that does entrepreneurship, and I'll go into classes, classrooms, and say, "Hey, this is what you can. This is what I do, and you can do it too." And this is how you can do it um, from point A to point B. And so that's been uh, something that is a fallback thing for me. I've been consulting um, for businesses as well. So, and then you also spoke on marketing, being innovative and creative. So I wanted to show you guys a little brief compilation video about our brand. And we actually have a jingle, and I hope you guys enjoy it. But um, in 2016, we actually brought our Matthew Deladova from the Cleveland Cavaliers to Shaker Heights play basketball for fans, sign autographs. He's a good friend of mine. Gave jars to LeBron and the players before they left Cleveland. He's now back. We're actually talking about doing potentially an event this year. But I wanted to show you guys just uh, some video from that event. And the way I was actually able to get Matthew Deladova to work with me, I just sent him an email on his website. I said, hey, I make applesauce. I'd love to work with you. He's like, I'm from Australia. I've never had applesauce. But I watch, <laughs> I watch Shark Tank every week. This sounds cool. And so now he's actually an investor, he invests in businesses, so that's something we're hopefully working to try to achieve with him. Somebody keeps reminding you you right. need to come yeah. back come and back. finish. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that's a great question. Five years times one. Were there ever times where you thought about just, you know, doing other things or were you doubted like if you could do it or not? That'd um, be tough. So I, I definitely doubted myself and I you know doubt myself now, but at the same time I was like, Hey, this is my baby, I'm invested in this and this is what I want to do, so let me give it a shot. So definitely. There are times where you're doubting yourself. There are times when you're like, hey, I don't know if we're going to make it rent this month, but you just keep pursuing through it, finding option A, option B, option B, option C. So, Are you trying to like um, make more flavors? Uh, so, yeah, we'd like to do some more innovative, creative flavors. Um, like I said, strawberry, peaches, and we'd we'll love to do a blueberry or something like that along the way. I'd get blueberry. Blueberry? Yeah, awesome. Good idea. Yeah, thank you guys again for your time. We have one more question. How hard is it to innovate each of your flavors? 
that you keep adding? Uh, it's actually a pretty simple process. So we actually work with the supplier and they make um, like an all-natural concentrate. And so they have a variety of concentrates, strawberry, peach, blueberry. And so it's pretty much the R&D of adding it to it, making sure it's the right mixture and the right combination. Um, but however, it's very expensive to roll out a new flavor. Um, the barcodes on an item that you guys passed around, you have to get those with the government organization. Nutrition facts cost money to get done. Packaging alone, there's a minimum order quantity of usually a couple thousand. So that's some of our biggest issues. Um, one of our biggest issues, lastly, I don't know if I have the four pack over here. Um, we had a meeting with Mark's supermarkets and we're trying to sell them the single cups so you could grab and go for a dollar, just get the cups. And our cups don't have nutrition facts on them. So we either have to get all of our lids reprinted with nutrition packs on them, or we have to get a sticker or figure out some creative way um, to sell them. So we have a purchase order of about six, $7,000 on the table. We can't even do it unless we make this change. That will cost me thousands of dollars for getting a cheap method. So you get those are the kind of problems you have to deal with and figure out how to communicate it with the person. So. Great. Any, any last question for Ethan? Well, thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for the hat. And I am going to an entrepreneurship conference. Oh, leaving great. tomorrow morning Definitely. in Florida. I'll be wearing my oh, hat. Amazing. And I'll be, uh, I've pitched his story and his applesauce thank in the you. past. So. Thank you, Kay. I appreciate everything you've done for me. It's great. Thank you again. So great to see how you've really grown and uh, pursued your passion. So for those out there, please join us next week when we'll have uh, with us Ryan Florio from Inca Tea. I think you know Ryan. And uh, it's Welcome to the Good Life. So that will be next week, Wednesday, January 30th. You guys don't want to miss, miss Ryan. He's a really smart guy. Yeah, really smart. and he's got a he's got a great story too. He makes a lot of money. Great. So thank you very much. Thank you. And again, Antarctica is not Alaska. <laughs>